Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sales is King. Dan Sixsmith, your host. Glad to be with you on a snowy day in Westport, Connecticut in April. I mean, come on, guys. Please. We've got to get on with our springtime here. The good news is it's melting rapidly and temps are going to hit the 50s. So hopefully this is the end of it. <laughs> so we've got a great one today. Um, another interview with a very exciting guest. Um, Travis Chapel um, is a young man who has accomplished quite a bit and has become an expert in a subject that we hear a lot about when it comes to being successful in business, uh, being successful in sales, and that is networking. And Travis is a dyed-in-the-wool sales guy He's been in door-to-door. -door. He's still in door-to-door -door sales, and he trains door-to-door -door salespeople. And when we think about today, how difficult it is um, to sell and connect and how some people get nervous to make cold calls, well, think about going door-to-door -door and how difficult that is and the type of um, self-belief and the type of motivation that is required to be successful in that. But Travis has an exceptional podcast um, called Build Your Network. And, um, you know, it's worth you guys signing up for because he's got tremendous guests. And it really goes through in detail a 2018 version of what networking really is. And that's a lot of what we cover um, on this interview, which I know you guys will enjoy. So um, a little bit of housekeeping. Again, thanks to everybody for the subscriptions and the reviews and the ratings. And um, thank you for all of your support and continue to share it with your friends um, and anybody that you think will find this helpful. And so let's jump into the interview and then we will be talking to you soon. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Sales this is King Danzeth here with another exciting episode, another great interview, and we've got Travis Chapel with us today, who is the host of a very popular and exciting podcast called Build Your Network. Travis, welcome to the program. And thanks so much for having me, man. Been looking forward to coming on. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. And I met, I came across Travis. Uh, I'm obviously a podcast junkie. Um, in addition to my own, I listen to many of them, and um, I came across. Travis on Brad Lee's Dropping Bombs with Brad Lee, who if you don't listen to that one, you definitely should. And I was really amazed at Travis's knowledge about the subject of networking. And we usually, you know, um, tackle a particular topic when we do an interview. And I definitely want to pick Travis's brain on networking. But I'd like to get a little background first for the audience. Um, I know your background is in sales. Um, and I'd love to kind of hear how you got into sales. I know you were in door-to-door -door sales uh, for a number of years. So just give us a little kind of background on sales experience. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it's it's all it's all been kind of it, it's all been based on the fact that I'm I'm just a kind of resourceful person. So a resourceful person who likes money tends to uh, find themselves in some sort of a sales situation sooner or later, right? 
Um, and so for me, it was just kind of something I stumbled upon. Um, I, I grew up super religious. So I was actually in college uh, for the ministry. I was in a ministerial college. And I, so technically my bachelor's degree, I actually double majored in church ministries and Bible, which is kind of funny now, like considering where my career path has gone. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so I was in college. I was a, a sophomore, I think, in college. Um, and a buddy of mine, um, I know I was a junior in college, a buddy of mine started well, working door to door for this solar company. And, um, uh, he, he showed me one of his paychecks one time. And at the time, uh, th this was a friend of mine who I, I, we were in college together, but we were, we also went to high school together. And so there was one summer in high school where he was working two full-time jobs, two 40 hour week jobs. And I hated it because he never could hang out with us, <laughs> but he needed to pay his bills or whatever for his school. So he was working 80 hours a week. And I remember it stuck in my brain because I remember when he showed me his paycheck from this company, he was like, this is for 20 hours, bro. And um, he was like, this is a bigger paycheck than my two full-time jobs combined in a quarter of the time. And like, it caught my, it caught my attention, right? It caught my ear. And I was, cause at the time I was just, I had a little landscaping business that I was working but I didn't really work it because, well, honestly, I was just lazy. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I, I didn't, I was just, I was, I was so over it at that point. So I was making like pennies. Um, just, I would pay somebody else to mow my lawns. I let them borrow my truck, borrow all my equipment. Like I paid them everything. So like I was left with, I, I was left with profit and I was making, you know, money for free essentially at that point because I wasn't really doing anything for it, but uh, I wasn't making good money at all. So I heard that I like caught my ear and I was like, can you give me an interview you think? And he goes, Oh yeah, for sure. So he set me down with the, uh, sent me down with the, his supervisor or whatever. And, um, I got hired and man, I just took off. I, I, you know, it was one of those situations where it was like, I think I can do this. Um, I'd grown up in a sales household. My dad's a real estate broker. And, um, so it was always something that I, I had interest in and I always, I was always like an entrepreneurial spirit. Like I wanted to make money, you know, in, in elementary school as the kid bringing like little bugs to school to sell to the other kids or whatever, you know what I mean? So I always kind of had that, that idea that like, if I tried something like this, I think I could do well at it, but I had no proof obviously. So just started knocking doors and, uh, got promoted my first week and, um, got promoted again, my fifth week. And then about a month and a half later, I got promoted again to where I was a team leader. So within about two or three months, I had a team of guys that I was managing um, and we were going door to door and um, <clears throat> uh, continued along that path for a while. We ended up switching to a different company and then I moved out of the area and um, uh, got, I actually got a nine to five um, for about five weeks when we moved because I wanted to buy a house, but I was only 22 and I had no, I didn't have enough hundred percent commission history, uh, which everybody listening that's in sales knows, knows the struggle there on how to try to qualify for a home loan when the bank says that you don't make money, but you're like, I do make money, but they're like, you can't show me on paper. And it's just a whole frustrating thing. So I had to take an internal transfer in my company to get a, uh, a salaried position that it was salary plus commission still, obviously still sales, but I hated it because someone was telling me what to do and all that kind of stuff so like two days after we closed escrow on our house I quit and went back to door-to-door -door and uh, did uh, switched industries from solar went to door-to-door uh, -door alarms uh, home security systems um, and so that was actually the first time I had ever made six figures in a year I think I was 22 at the time 
and um, uh, cleared six figures in door to door alarm sales. Um, and then uh, the year after that, basically, I was I, I had figured out that I hit a ceiling in the company. I, I made six figures, but I knew that it, I knew that if I like doubled the amount of work that I put in, I could probably add another twenty percent to my income. But that was about it. Like there wasn't anywhere to go past that. I was at the ceiling already, and that was really scary for me because I was you know twenty two. I think I was twenty three by that time. And so I was like, I'm, I can't hit a ceiling when I'm 23 years old. That doesn't make any sense. So um, I took a step back, started evaluating what I really wanted to do. And that's really when I fell into personal development and um, started listening to audiobooks, listening to podcasts, uh, reading a little bit, watching YouTube videos, like any, anything that any sort of content that I could consume. Um, I did that. And uh, I had a real estate investment that paid off pretty well. So luckily, I was able to take about five or six months where I didn't really need to go work every single day. And I was just kind of chilling, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And my wife went back to work. I'll shout out to my wife. She was gracious. And, and, and oh, yeah, you got to love that, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. So she she kind of uh, carried me through a little bit of that time as well. So um, it was it allowed me to kind of sit there without any pressure and just really figure out what I wanted to do. Because growing up, it was always ministry, ministry, ministry. So I never thought about what I actually wanted to do until I figured out that I didn't want to go into ministry. Then it was like, at this point, like literally, Dan, I was sitting there thinking like, after I just made six figures in sales, I was sitting there thinking like, do I want to be a fireman? Do I want to be like an FBI agent? Like I felt like a, I felt like a 12 year old again, like a career day at school. You know what I mean? Um, but literally I'd never thought of anything growing up. It was just always like, it was just always like a dead set thing. I'm going to be in ministry. So when I figured out I wasn't going to be, it was like all of a sudden the world was open to possibilities and opportunities. And, um, so this personal development thing, like really kicked me into that journey. And then I found this podcast, which I was telling you a little bit about off, uh, off recording here, um, called entrepreneur on fire. And, um, the guy who runs that, his name is John Lee Dumas, <clears throat> seven figure podcaster. He makes like three, 4 million a year, just, uh, just on his podcast revenue. Um, and the cool thing about podcast revenue is your top line, bottom line revenue are pretty similar cause you don't have a lot of expenses. So like when John makes 3 million in a year, he brings home like 2.4 million or 2.5 million. And that was really intriguing to me because John and anybody listening to this, by the way, you can go um, check out John's site. It's eofire.com and he publishes his income reports. So on the top right of his site, you can go click on his income reports. You can see the exact amount of money that he made last month. You can see the exact amount of money that he spent on his expenses, where his money went and his net profit. Like he breaks it all down for you, has everything totally public. So it was something that was really intriguing to me at the time. And uh, I felt I always kind of had a knack for stuff like that, but I didn't want to do a blog because I don't enjoy the writing process. Um, like when I sat down and actually made myself do it, like the, I felt like the content that I was producing was pretty good, but I just didn't enjoy it at all. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to do that. But then the podcast thing, I was like, you know, I think this is something that I could actually do. And so I took John's podcasting course called free. You go to freepodcastcourse.com. It's still up there. Anybody can take it. It's like a two week course. He sends you a couple modules every day. I went through the whole thing. And by the end of it, I was like, you know what? I think I really want to do this. And uh, so I wanted to learn from the best of the best. And so I ended up reaching out to John. I joined one of his masterminds. I went, flew out to his house in Puerto Rico to learn directly from him. I got a podcast coach and a podcast mentor named Jeff Brown, um, who'd been doing it for a long time and uh, just started going to work. And that was uh, about this time last year that I that I started into that pre-launch phase, launched the show in August, and um, now I've been been really cranking and getting going forward. And just a quick caveat too, by the way, um, I don't know if you knew this, Dan, but I actually still am in door-to-door -door sales. Um, in a in um, some aspect, is that um, I eventually was like, look, I'm sick of building teams and selling for other people when they have the, the ultimate control in the end. So I basically just started my own company, um, which was uh, at the 
uh, around this time last year as well, I started the podcast and my, my company now, which is called Revive Water. We sell water filtration systems, whole home uh, filtration systems, alkaline systems, reverse osmosis to customers. And I have a sales team of guys now that I train to go door to door. And then I kind of take on the more CEO role and like try to figure out ways to push the company forward and make our margins better and better marketing and all that kind of stuff. So I'm still kind of in the door to door industry. And that's like really where the majority of my income comes from. The podcast is more of my passion where I get to just chat with really awesome people and all that kind of stuff. So I know that was a really long winded answer, but, uh, no, <laughs> but, but there you that's go. The whole, no, that's the whole, uh, what we're trying to accomplish here um, is learn a lot. So um, that's, that's tremendous. So let, let me, let's talk a little bit about door to door, right? Um, and what's required there, what you've learned. I mean, you know, we hear about some of the, um, you know, the trials and tribulations of cold calling, right? People are afraid to pick up the phone, but think about knocking on doors, right? And, and what that's like. So tell us a little bit about that, you know, um, what's required to really be successful and maybe a couple of interesting uh, stories um, along the way. Yeah, of course. So door to door, it's just, I think your success is directly related to how much rejection you can take uh, yeah. without quitting. You know what I mean? So, um, cause there, there's a, there's, I liken it a little bit to playing the guitar, um, Dan, cause it was something when I, when I started playing the guitar, I, um, I, I literally thought like this thought really actually went through my head. I was like, maybe I'm just one of those people that just can't play the guitar. <laughs> you know, like maybe like these people exist where like, I just, it's just it's impossible. Hard. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like I was like, this is impossible. Like I can't move my fingers that way. My pinky hurts like hell. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to yeah, press I these, do. these. I, do. I took strings. lessons too. I didn't get that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was thinking like, man, this is impossible. Like this, I can't do this. And so, but what happens is after you do it for two or three months, your fingers get calloused, right? So once your fingers are calloused, it's a lot easier to push those strings down. It gives you the ability to be able to, to move them and make those chord formations a lot easier. Your hand starts picking up on the ability to do that. And after about three months, you can start switching chords and like making actual like music where it's not you know you're not you're not an expert at that point but you can actually like play a regular song and and like the first time you do that it's like wow that was incredible i thought that sounded that actually didn't sound that bad um and i liken it to door to door because there's a period of time that most people need to go through unless you're just naturally good at it there's going to be a period of time where you have to get calloused um, but most people don't make it through the callousing they, they don't make it through the period of rejection before they get to the point where they start seeing the money flow so they quit and go do something different because they can't make it past the calluses well and whenever i sit down with a new guy i'm like look bottom line like i don't want you to commit to this for two weeks I want you to commit to this for three months because that's how long it's going to take in order for you to be able right. to get those calluses. And if you're willing to commit for three months, I'm willing to train you. And I think that you can do well at this. So um, I, I liken it. I liken it a lot to that because I think it's really a really good um, illustration of like you, you have to become almost mentally calloused to what, and some, like I said, some people are more, more naturally that way than others. Um, and other people, it's going to be a skill that you're going to have to really work on because it, it doesn't feel good to have a door slammed in your face. It doesn't feel good to get cussed out on somebody's porch um, when you feel like you're like selling a good product and like doing you know, you know what I mean so it, it doesn't feel good to have that kind of stuff happen but um, if you can learn to not really care about it um, so that's that's then that's that's really where the where the money is made. And so that's, that's what I train my people on is like, I know some people are like, Oh, learn to love rejection. And then I, I, I don't subscribe to that because nobody yeah. loves rejection. 
You know what I mean? Like nobody likes that feeling of being rejected. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much rejection you've dealt with. I don't care if you're a billionaire. If somebody tells you no, it doesn't feel good, <laughs> you know? So I'm not going to like try to tell my reps that like, you know, oh, you should love rejection because that's just not the truth. It's just not going to happen. But what I do believe should happen is that rejection should take less of a toll on you the more and more, the more, the more you get rejected. So um, that's, that's the whole thing is like, as long as you're making more deposits in your confidence bank than withdrawals in your confidence bank and your confidence level stays at a certain level, then you'll be able to keep going and keep pushing. And that's where the money's made. Yeah. And I guess you're going to start to see, you know, that there's going to be a certain percentage of homes or people that are not going to be interested. And then you're going to start to see some success. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to start to just want more of that success and just realize that rejection is part of the game. It's not for everybody, mm-hmm. but you've got to keep, you know, a getting better, you know, learning from the rejection and maybe saying, Hey, could I have done something differently? Or was this just a bad, you know, exactly. um, opportunity? Mm-hmm. but then keep going. And then, you know, when you think about door to door today versus, you know, back in the day, God, it's even more difficult because, you know, when I was a kid growing up, <clears throat> You know, someone knocked at the door, you open up the door, you have a conversation or whatever. Today, everyone's so guarded, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's like people don't answer the door. You're like, who the heck is out there? Right. You know, so it's probably a lot more difficult today, um, you know, to, to, to do that. Yeah, so. people have these preconceived notions as soon as you knock on their door, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, they it's just crazy how closed minded people are. That's why I I recommend almost anybody that's coming out of college. Like if you're still unsure about what you're doing, just do door to door sales for six months. Just do it for six months because you'll learn a lot about yourself. You'll learn a lot about how to read people, how to interact with people, how to, um, there's so many different skill sets to to learn. And there's so many different psychological tricks to learn um, that you can apply to any, even if you don't even end up in sales, like these are just like people skills that it's, that it, that it teaches you just like the hard, like it te- it's the school of hard knocks. It teaches you, um, you know, no pun intended there. It, it, it teaches you um, all this kind of stuff and mental toughness. It teaches you failure. It teaches you how to overcome it. it teaches you to like, there's so many, so many benefits from it. So even if you know that you're not going to do it for a long time, or it's not your cup of tea and, and you and you're not super great at it and you're not don't have a knack for it like it's not a big deal just do it for a little bit because it's going to teach you so many things um, and uh, dealing with rejection is, is definitely one of them and I, I think that anybody's success is a hundred percent dependent on how much rejection they can take and keep going forward at that point um, and that's why you see so many successful people I, I, I read a statistic recently Dan I forget exactly what it was but it was something like 30 30 percent of billionaires or 40 percent of billionaires started in sales or something like that like of, of all of the industries that billionaires started out in sales was like the top by a landslide um, because I, I just think that if you're going to be successful you're going to have to learn how to deal with a large amount of rejection um, and be able to move on without any loss of enthusiasm, just like Winston Churchill says. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it really is. It's, it's like real life, you know? I mean, sometimes as, as kids, you know, we're sheltered. Um, certainly the way kids are raised today is a lot different. Um, you know, then you go to school and that's kind of not the real world. So um, I agree with you. It's a great way to dive into um, the deep, cold water of real life mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and really, um, you know, uh, certainly persisting in, mm-hmm. in, you know, people set up these dreams, you know, and um, uh, so many people don't follow through 
because they just don't execute or they start to run into potholes. And if you do enough reading, you start to see that 99% of all these successful people have worked over and around and above mm -hmm. obstacles, um, came up with a plan B and figured out a way to get there. Yep. So you know, being rejection proof, being persistent, hanging in there, um, believing in yourself. You know, if you're going around and selling this product, whatever product you're selling, if you believe it has value, that needs to come through. And, mm -hmm. you know, you need to know what it's going to do for the other person, you know, and you look at it in, in those terms. So yeah. I, I really give you uh, kudos for your success with this. Yeah, yeah there's no, um, there's no participation trophies in uh, door-to-door -door yeah. sales. Oh, you know? <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Gary Vee talks about the eighth place trophy. There's no eighth place trophies. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and that's the truth. So, so let's, let's shift now. So, you know, so you start thinking about, you go to the podcast, uh, you take the course, um, and now you're starting to think of uh, topics for the podcast. So tell us a little bit about how you came up with the networking um, topic. Yeah. So um, it's actually really funny because I'm on a sales podcast talking about this right now. So my area of expertise obviously was sales. Um, that's where I had the most experience. That's where I had the most success. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll just talk about sales. So I go on iTunes, right? And I type in sales podcast. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh man, there's only like 15,000 of these. So I should be yeah. able to stand out pretty easily. Yeah, you know? sure. No, right. uh, rule number one. <laughs> <laughs> so rule number one in John's course that I took was you have to niche down. You have to find yeah. something that makes you be able to stand out. So I was like, sales is not going to be that thing. There's so many other sales experts or people that are doing yeah. this like you that have been doing this for like longer than I've been alive. So like, mm -hmm. no, like there's so many different options that people are going to listen to before they hear me out on something. So I was like, okay, so sales is out. What's, what's another thing that I've seen success in? And uh, I started thinking about it, started thinking about it. And I was like, why was, why did I do well in door to door? You know, why did I, why did I, and right. part right. of the answer is I was, you know, persistent and not willing to give up really easily. Um, part of the answer is I liked the money. Part of the answer is that my schedule was really like that year I made six figures. Like I was 22 I, ha I worked three, maybe four hours a day. Like I would wake up whenever I wanted to. We partied all the time. Like it, it was just a fun time. And I like, mm -hmm. I worked literally 15 to 20 hour work weeks. So like, yeah, that's part of the answer. But you know, ultimately the way that I was able to be as successful as I was is because I always found somebody to teach me that was already really successful. And I was like, man, that's, that's just networking. That's just like, knowing people. And I was like, it's always about who you know, not what you know. And <clears throat> I just figured out like, if I got around the right people, like I didn't read sales books, I didn't read sales trainings, I didn't listen to Zig Ziglar or Jim Rohn until after I had that good year. You know, so like, all of that stuff up to that point was just hard work, me figuring it out, and then getting around people who had done really, really well. And copying exactly what they tell me to do. Like I'm, I, I don't, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. This guy's made seven figures knocking doors. So all I got to do is like do exactly what he says and like, it's going to work. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm a very teachable person, which um, when you're, when you're learning from people like that is super crucial. So I was like, okay, networking then. Okay. So I was like, well, sales had a million podcasts out there. I bet networking is the same way because it's such an important thing. I type it in and to my utter surprise, it was like, wow, there's only like 
two or three shows that are coming up and they're really only episodes of those shows. There's not even like, there's no, there's wow. no show that only talks about networking. Now, since I put my show out there and I've like obviously attracted people that are of the same mindset, I found like one or two other ones, but they're really tiny shows, really small audiences. So they didn't pop up on any searches that I was, that I was doing. So I was like, well, man, that seems like an opportunity. Wow. So I basically just was like, good news, right? You know? Right, right. Exactly. So I was just like, well, I'm no, I'm no expert, you know, like I'm not a networking expert. I'm, you know, and like I said, I, I think at the, I think at this point I was 23, or 24. I think I just turned 24 when I decided to, to launch the podcast. So, um, so I was, again, I was like, I'm not an expert at this. Like I'm more of an expert in sales than I am in networking. And I'm not even like, I've only been doing sales for like four years. So am I really that much of an expert? Like, you know what I mean? I, I know these people have been doing it for like 40 years. So, um, so what am I going to do? So I was like, you know what? I, I don't have to be the expert. All I, all I need to do is find a bunch of people who are experts and, uh, see if they're willing to come on my show and talk about it. And, uh, so through that, I, started becoming an expert because I had to network to get people on my show. And that's the number one question I've gotten from people is like, how have you been able to get the caliber of guests that you have on your show in such a short period of time? Because my show launched last August. We're like at month seven now, I guess that would be um, maybe eight. Um, so, so uh, I've been able to get, you know, some really heavy hitters and it's all been through networking. Like that's always my answer. It's always funny. Cause like, well, ironically enough, uh, the way I've gotten these people on is by networking, like just getting to know people, building relationships and getting to know people through other people and putting myself in the right opportunities and putting myself at the right events and the right locations to meet the right people, um, being willing to spend money on, on, on networking and getting in the right circles. Um, all that kind of stuff has been able, has enabled me to be able to talk, talk to some of the best of the best. And, um, um, so it's, it's very much a practice what you preach type situation. If you're teaching on networking, then you better be networking, you know? And so that's kind of the, kind of the journey that it took me on. You know, that's, it's phenomenal because we've just, we've been doing, I usually do a little, um, uh, video vlog on LinkedIn every day, sales is king tip of the day. And, um, you know, in kind of the B2B space, there's been this big push on, um, salespeople being more thought leaders than kind of sellers. And we've been kind of going through what is a thought leader and how do you become a thought leader? And it's really, you know, you're, you're just giving us such a great example of that. It's just, you know, getting, putting yourself out there, um, having a point of view, um, producing good content. And suddenly after it looks like you've got 99 episodes, um, mm -hmm. you know, you are, and you're really a thought leader and you're, you're, you, you are among this group you know, mm -hmm. that you brought in who were some of the key leaders. But what it shows me is that you've just got to kind of put a stake in the ground, you mm -hmm. know, and you've got to start somewhere. You've got to produce content. You've got to put yourself out there, um, challenge people and, and just, you know, build a following. So I, right. I think it's, I think it's tremendous. So I'd love to explore a little bit on, on networking. So after all of these episodes and all of these interviews, give me a couple of things that are, um, kind of aha moments for you about networking that you didn't really think about going into the uh, podcast? Yeah, the number one thing that I didn't think about because the my biggest piece of advice to anybody on networking is always, always, always give first. 
always add value. Just like Gary Vee's rule, always be the person to add 50, at least 51% of the value in every relationship that you have. <clears throat> and then I would even add to that by saying you should pick a few key relationships where you're adding like 80% of the value to that relationship because you're really trying to invest or maybe even 90 or 99% to where you're just giving, 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 giving. Um, so it's always, it's, it, you have to switch your mentality from taking to giving, from matching even to giving. There's a great book on this by Adam Grant's called Give and Take. <clears throat> if, you, if, you haven't, yeah, if you haven't read it, you're listening to this, you haven't read it, it's a must read if you're really trying to be better at networking. Um, it's a necessary mindset shift um, because I, I think I'm naturally a matcher, uh, Dan. So naturally it's like, hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type thing. Right. And that book just... <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. And because that made sense to me, right? I'm a, I'm a logical thinker. I'm a numbers guy, right? Like, and I think most salespeople would agree with that. So um, sure. you you have to, there's a necessary mindset shift there to go from like, I'm only going to give if I see a potential return to I'm going to give without any ex- expectation of receiving anything in return. Really big mindset shift there. So that's the number one piece of advice I always give. But that was something I kind of had an inkling. I, I didn't know how to quite articulate it going into it. Like I said, I, I was not an expert at all at this kind of stuff when when I started the, mm-hmm. the show. But now after, you know, you said I'm at episode 99 now, and then I obviously have like 10 more in the bank. So I've recorded over 100 episodes talking to experts about how to network. So now I, I'd like to think that I, I know a little bit more about it so I know how to articulate it a little bit better but something that was completely off of my radar when I started all of this was um, having a networking budget and uh, so that's the biggest thing that I've learned is so 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 important there's so many people that are willing to invest back into their business or um, buy a, a truck or a new car or something like that, but they're not willing to invest back into themselves and not just with a book or a course, but a high level mastermind that gets you around good influential people that can help you get to where you want to go in life. Like that is such a, such an important thing. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example here. Um, up to, well, actually up to about a week and a half or two weeks ago, I actually got in a car accident and my, my Corolla was totaled, but um, I've driven the same Corolla since um, I first got married in 2014. So like a, you know, $20,000 Corolla. Our other car is an electric Fiat that we have a lease on. We got like a bunch of rebates because it's fully electric. Our lease payments like 150 bucks a month on that. And then our $20,000 Corolla. We've had that until it got totaled a couple weeks ago. So like, I say that because in the last year, I've spent close to $30,000 on just masterminds, just masterminds by themselves, just literally connection groups that are high level to get around good people and to network with people on a level that's different than the level that I'm on. And that has been insanely crucial to the success that I'm able to see so far with the show. Um, and I think it's important to bring up because I think too many people would look at that and go $30,000, man, you could, that's a down payment on a, on a, you know, a Corvette or that's a down payment on a, the Lexus LC 500. Like that's, that's like a, that's like three, you know, 82 inch TVs, you know? And I think that a lot of salespeople think that way. Um, unfortunately it's something in sales that like salespeople are really good at making 150 grand or 220 grand, whatever it is, you know, they're, they're good at becoming that top, 
you know, 3% of income earners, but they don't think like a business person about it. So they go leverage themselves to the hilt and try to get everything they possibly can. They go get the new truck, they get the motorcycle, they get the boat, they get everything. And now they're leveraged completely. And like, they're losing money on stuff that doesn't make them money. Whereas like, if you would just be disciplined for a little bit and like not buy the boat and put 30 grand into yourself into, you know, getting into a high level mastermind, then like in three years, you can get a bigger boat because you'll make more money because you're around people that think on a different level that make more money that allow you to then expand the way that you think and then expand how much money you're making. Like it's just the ability. And and I think sometimes salespeople are bad at this. It's the ability to delay the short-term gratification. And um, uh, I think that that's such a, such a huge important part of it. And so spending money on networking is probably the biggest thing that was completely off my radar when I started, but it's something that I've just dove into head first into the, you know, in the last year. Yeah, that's huge. Um, Because I don't think anybody, including myself, um, gives that thought, you know, you just kind of think of networking, like, hey, I got to go here, I got to go there, I got to hand out some business cards, sip some cocktails, uh, yeah, yada, yada, and hopefully it all works out. Mm -hmm. And then the flip side of it is, and I'm going to be nervous as hell, because I'm just going to be talking about myself. And hopefully, so the first part of what you said is a it's about it's about giving right and when you when you think about that you're going somewhere or you're trying to help people it takes the pressure off of walking into a meeting and having you be you know worried or nervous or start blathering on about yourself but the second point is this has to be you know um, uh, you have to invest in it and, and, and to really become successful you've got to really dive deep into it and, you know, and then, of course, the third part is, you know, how do we look at it as the long game instead mm-hmm. of this kind of instant gratification mentality, um, which is which is tough for, for a lot of people. You know, you start to see a little bit of success. That's why I think we're always stressed in sales. Right. It's like we have some success. We go buy a lot of shit and then <laughs> we have to go sell more exactly. we're back to square one. Yeah. Like I got to make my payments this month. So, like, I better go make some sales, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but exactly. You put yourself in a you put yourself in a box. You know what I mean? Like if you're always struggling to make the next sale, you're you're not you're not thinking bigger than that. And that's the problem with I think a lot of salespeople is that they get stuck in this small mindset where they're like, you know, I can make two hundred grand this year. Why don't you stop thinking about making two hundred grand this year and start thinking about how you can make two hundred grand this month? And like that will help you start to change how you're thinking about things and really start to understand that like maybe I shouldn't you know, get this $900 car payment. Um, and I shouldn't get $700 boat payment. Like maybe I should just put that off for another five years. And, you know, like I can, I, you can still get a decent car. You can still, like, you don't have to drive a Ford Pinto from the 1980s. You know what I mean? Like you can still get a decent car. Just don't just, just put off some of that stuff and put the money into an investment and investing in yourself is the surest form of investing. There is no way to lose. There's no way to lose if you invest in yourself. There's no risk. Yeah. And there's all upside and it's the greatest form of job security. Um, just investing in yourself and your network. And yep. then not only network, but you know, something we covered in one of the tips, but it's like the, the network itself, the engagement that's in the network, you know, so everyone's like, Oh, I've got a million, you know, Instagram followers, or I've got this, or I've got that, but how engaged is it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, can you call these people, or will they be reaching out to you, and how, right. how do you stay in touch w- with these folks? 
So along those lines, in terms of networking and, and keeping in touch, you know, you're starting to really expand all of the people that you meet with. What's your system for keeping everything fresh and, and, and you know, following up with people and keeping them kind of active? Yeah, good question. So follow-up is very, very important because the, so here's the biggest misnomer about networking is that people think networking is different than just building relationships normally. And it's not like, so they'll, they'll think like business networking is in this category over here. And then like building friendships is in this category over here. They're literally the same exact thing. And that's the problem is that networking and building relationships should, should be synonymous, but a lot of times they're not. Um, and so the answer to that is really simple. If you, if you really are growing a friendship with somebody, you're going to stay in contact with them. You know what I mean? Like, should, should you set yourself reminders if you're bad at that kind of a thing? Yeah, sure. Um, I know some people that have literally, uh, an entire CRM um, just to keep uh, in, in touch with their contacts. And like, it reminds them to send out an email every once in a while to say what's up if they've have been out of contact for a while. Um, something like that is very practical tip um, uh, that, that is, you know, really affordable. You just get a CRM software, like contactually, something like that, keep your contacts in it, reminds you to follow up with them and all that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, it's more just like, I'm building friendships with these people. So like I stay in touch with them, you know what I mean? Like, just like you would any of your other friends. So for, for my generation, it's a little bit easier too, as far as like Facebook and Instagram, or whatever. So whenever I meet somebody, I don't hand them a business card. I say, let me grab, let me add you on Facebook really quick. You're on Facebook, right? Everybody's on Facebook. So uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. What's your, what's your name on Facebook? Cool. We'll go connect. Uh, I'll assume them a friend request. I'll tap on their profile, like, and comment on a couple of things. That way they see notifications pop up with my name. It reminds them to go check out some of my stuff. They like a couple of my things. And then when they like some of my stuff, my stuff, Facebook algorithm likes that. So they'll keep throwing my stuff to them and they'll still keep liking my stuff. And then at that point we're staying in contact. We're seeing, you know what I mean? Like staying in contact doesn't always mean you hop on an hour phone call with your contact that you made. You know what I mean? That's just like, you just keep them in your, you know, um, in your field of view. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, it's just a lot of, uh, a lot of um, being on purpose with my Facebook um, and with my Instagram and different Mm -hmm. social sites. And then some people, if we become really close, we'll have each other's numbers and we'll text back and forth every once in a while, just say what's up, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but if you're bad at that kind of stuff, like if you just don't do it naturally, then I recommend totally getting some sort of a CRM yeah. software to, that will actually remind you to stay in touch with the people that you're building relationships with. The last thing you want to do is like when you're three years from now and you're thinking about this business idea that you're about to like implement and this person that you met at this conference four years ago would be a perfect like person to introduce you to somebody else and you're like oh hey what's up you know jill i met you at this conference four years ago we've been facebook friends but we've never talked hey i have a quick favor to ask okay yeah right happened Zero to chance, first. right exactly <laughs> so um so yeah if, well, if you're bad at it then you should definitely have some sort of a system to keep you in check um and uh and make sure that you're following up and actually it's just it comes down to that dan it's just building real genuine relationships and friendships with people that's all networking is down to a t that's all it is it's not some weird awkward cold calling situation where you have to feel like you go throw business cards in a hundred people's faces and pat yourself on the back because you got rid of the 500 that you just got in the mail yesterday like that's not how it is it's just building real genuine relationships but people just won't look long term enough to see that so they just do the short-term thing which never works out yeah, it's hard to build on the authenticity, which is a key thing we keep hearing about. 
today, you know, to build up kind of trust with, with people if you're going to try and have a relationship. Um, it's, it's tough to do that if you're only thinking short term. Um, so that's great. So I have a couple of final questions. I know we're getting close to, to the end of the time. Um, so for somebody that wants to just start networking properly, what's the first step? You know, what would you recommend they do um, to get them on a path to starting to become a successful networker? Yeah, there's um, there's two really practical things here um, that I'm gonna that I'm gonna say. One of them is I've kind of already touched on, which is why I'm gonna add a second one, which is join a mastermind. Um, I, if if I could give my 19 year old self a piece of advice, it would be scrounge some money together and join a mastermind. Um, start doing that as soon as you can. Like if you don't want to be an influencer, then you don't have to join an influencer's mastermind for the sake of connecting with that influencer. But the people who are the other people in the group who are paying $15,000 a year to be a part of that mastermind that people can afford and set aside money and have the mindset and the know-how to put that kind of money into a personal investment like that. Those kind of connections that you're making in those groups are invaluable. Um, and so I, I would say, I would say invest in a mastermind. If you want high level, if you want to explode your network, you're, you're going to have to spend money on it is basically what I'm saying. Like mm -hmm. you can build a network like slowly over time for free. Um, but if you want to explode your network, then you need to invest a little bit of money into it and joining a mastermind is mm -hmm. a perfect way to do it. Um, the other thing I would say is if you have any spare time at all, I would start some sort of a show, whether it's a podcast, a YouTube channel, something along those lines. Um, and I offer podcast coaching too. If, if you're listening to this and you're like, I would have nowhere, you know, I have no idea where to start. I offer podcast coaching. Um, so reach out to me and we can maybe work something out. But um, I would say if you, could, if you start a podcast, you'll be amazed at the people that you'll be able to talk to in the industry or field that you're really starting it in. Um, uh, if I didn't start my podcast, there's no earthly way I'd be able to connect with the people I've been able to connect with. It's just because I have a medium like a podcast that just makes me sound more official makes me sound more legitimate. And then I right. say a couple names that have been on the show that they recognize. It makes me sound even more legitimate. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's done wonders for, for my, it's literally exploded my network. I went from last year at this time, knowing absolutely nobody in this space to now be like literally connecting with some of the best of the best business influencers that are even out there and available to us. Uh, so to provide content. So, um, uh, it's all been just from, my podcast and willing to being willing to invest money into building relationships. No, I think that's great. There's a lot of um, credibility certainly in having a podcast. And I think it's mm -hmm. kind of a cutting edge type of thing right now. It's certainly yeah. where the future is. And people have this misconception where they like have to get 5 million downloads in order for it to be successful. Like your podcast doesn't have, like you don't have to be a John Lee Dumas. You don't have to make 3 million a year just on your podcast in order for it to make sense to have a podcast. You could end up having 20 downloads an episode. It doesn't matter. Like the fact that you have a show allows you to connect with people. And that by itself is enough reason to have the show. Yeah. It's another medium. It's just another way to connect. I mean, look at, you know, you and I, and this is how we met and mm -hmm. uh, it's been tremendous uh, getting to know you. Uh, on this. So yeah. last question, and this is a question you ask all of your guests, is it what you know or who you know? What do you think <laughs> after, <laughs> after hearing uh, 99 different responses? And yeah. then you put your own spin on it. Good question. Um, 
So I believe that it is who you know. Um, it's funny, when I started the show, I had no idea that that was going to turn into like my thing. Now it's kind of my thing. Like people kind of know me for that. Um, yeah. I had no idea that was going to happen. I literally just wrote out a list of questions that I wanted to ask people and that was one of them. But like that was the first question that I would ask people because I wanted to like bait them into talking about networking because I've just figured like 99% of the people I was going to talk to were going to say, oh, who you know because of the saying, you know, it's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right, right. But like the more I talk to people, like every, like just so many different answers that I've gotten from people. Um, but over time, the, the answer that I come back to is always who you know um, because your what if you if you if you are strategic and um and willing to work hard and be and you're teachable then your what will exponentially increase based on your who whereas i don't see the opposite of that being as true if you're really really good at something yes your circle will grow over time and this is what brad and i kind of went back and forth on um when when brad was on my show so i went on dropping bombs and then brad came on my show brad lee and we went back and forth on this because um, Bat, uh, Brad built his whole business on, on his what. Like he was very, very good at what he did. And so that attracted big names to it. Now he has all these people like Grant Cardone, the Zig Ziglar Foundation, They Can Grow Rich Films. Like they all host on his virtual trading platform because he was so good at what he did. He attracted a larger network. But it took over 20, 30 years to really get to the point where he is now to get the network that he has. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I just think it will increase. Like, so if you double, triple down your what, your, your, your network will increase, your who will increase, um, but pretty much in the same way that your what is increasing. Whereas I believe if you double, triple down on the who, your what will exponentially increase. You're skipping levels at that point. That's what I always say is like, if you want to expedite that process, then I think the who is where you go. And then you learn the what from the who. And you can always be learning what. So like, I'm always reading books. I'm always listening to audiobooks, all that kind of stuff. But the most that I've learned is by getting around somebody like John Lee Dumas, who's been there, done that, who's made, you know, almost $15 million to date on his podcast. Like, like that's, being around him and learning from him has taught me more than any book on podcasting is going to teach me. Um, so I, I think that it just, I think that it's who, you know, because it will always exponentially increase your, what allow you to skip rungs on the ladder, allow you to shorten the runway, whatever analogy you want to pick, it's going to let you skip levels. Whereas the, what is not going to do that with your who. So I, I, I just see that I just see more benefit coming from the who rather than the, what, if you're looking for something to double down on, I think there are some phases where you should focus on the what a little bit more to where like if your network as it exploded like so for me right now I'm kind of focusing a little bit more on the what in a, in a percentage as far as like what I'm focusing on right now because my my network has exploded in the last year so now I'm trying to like build in more competence in who I am so I'm focusing a little bit more on the what right now to like keep up the competence and the relationships that I've currently built but then after that is done, I'll go through another big explosion of my who phase. Um, and I think that it's always more important to double down on the who, but sometimes you got to like really focus on the what um, so that, you know, you're making the most of those relationships that you have. No, that's great. And I never really thought of, I always thought about the what, obviously the, the way I used to think about it was the who, you know, is going to get you to the plate, but the what, you know, you have to bring the goods, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. I never really thought that the who you know could also help you with the what you know, right? Because they're right. going to expand your competency and give you more um, input on growing right. your 
level of expertise. So, well, because people um, think of the who as like an opportunity that I need to capitalize on. Like I need to, I need to know my stuff so that when I meet Brad Lee, I can do a deal and we can make money together type thing. It doesn't always have to be like that. Like <clears throat> when I connect with some of these people, I'm not looking at it that way. I'm looking at like, what can I learn from you? How can I like have a mentorship type of relationship with you? Like, can I keep an open line of communication with you where I can learn from you? Like, it's not always about like making a deal and striking a deal with somebody. It's about like getting on and get like being able to chat with someone that's on a completely different level than you and learning from them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Right. That's right. what allows you to just shoot through the roof on your what. Right, which today is easier than ever through all the oh, different yeah. channels. And I've even communicated a little bit with Brad, and we've had a conversation about um, some marketing stuff. <clears throat> and I don't even know, I don't even know how it started, but I think I might have just on Instagram just told him about a few episodes that I liked, and I told mm -hmm. him I had Jerry on. And so um, you know, people are very approachable if you have some value to add. So mm -hmm. um, I think definitely start with you know, what are you good at? What do you bring to the table? Um, and then really build out this whole kind of networking um, skill set. So I have to say, and now you're doing what, three episodes a week on week, building yeah. network? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes, sir. So um, the, the podcast is called Build Your Network. Um, and where is it available? It's on everywhere? iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, CastBox, basically anywhere you listen to Everybody. podcasts. So guys, you have to check this out because it is really, the, the guests, the quality of the guests that are on this podcast are tremendous. I've sent so many of them around. I've, you know, I've been, you know, you're driving in the car and like, shit, I got to pull over and take notes or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know really appreciate so, that. Like, Eye-opening, you know. So this is, you've got to follow Travis and the Build Your Network podcast. And Travis, I want to thank you for coming on. This has been a real pleasure. And uh, I really look forward to staying in touch with you. I might even take you up on the podcast coaching. Um, <laughs> there you go. Dan, really appreciate you coming. I really appreciate you having me on, man. I, I yeah. Know that, uh, uh, so hang on I, for I one second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. See, I know, I, I know what it is to share your platform with other people. And so um, I know that it's, um, you kind of have to vet who you, you bring on the show. So seriously, I really appreciate you. Yeah, no, it's, it's a pleasure. This was a tremendous value add for us. So um, I'm going to end uh, the podcast. We'll, we'll stay on for a minute after this. So um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Dan signing off for Sales is King. Catch you next time.